The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Hey guys, what's up? It's Don Will, and you're listening to Bad With Names. This is the third episode. I think that means we actually have a podcast. Now, I think we have something consistent. Um, My voice is a little raspy. I've had a really intense weekend filled with screaming at the top of my lungs over the sounds of wonderful music provided by DJ Tara at her party last night uh, at Friends and Lovers that I'm spending there tonight, which is tomorrow, which is yesterday for you. So whatever, it don't matter what I'm doing right now because y'all can't go to it because you don't know about it until... Whatever. But yeah, so I went to Tara's party uh, and I DJed on Friday. It was just a lot of fucking screaming, a lot of screaming, a lot of dancing, a lot of drinking, a lot of sleeping at five and waking up at 11 because you had meetings with your homies. And I saved a pigeon's life. Me and my friend Ricky, um, shout out to Amerigo Gazaway, uh, pick up his project. He's really dope. But me and my, me and, uh, my friend Ricky, who works with Amerigo. We were walking around Williamsburg and happened to see a pigeon trapped between a PVC pipe and a wall. And me being the, you know, the the animal lover that I am, I, I told Ricky we can't we can't proceed until this pigeon is free. And it looked terrified. It looked scared, but it also looked like it had some kind of like like disease. Like you know what I'm saying? Like like animals here, like you fucking you're not gonna pet a rat and you damn sure ain't gonna like hug a pigeon. I mean maybe if you're Mike Tyson you might hug a pigeon. Whatever. But we freed the pigeon from its captivity and it, it, it flew off into the heavens. And from that point forward, I said, my luck has changed. 2015 will be amazing. 2015 will be great because that pigeon carried the weight of my worries and troubles off into the distance. I just made that up on the spot. That's why I'm a rapper. I have a good job as a rapper because I can say shit like that. It sounds cool and not really mean it. Whatever. It was cool though. We did save a pigeon and I didn't make that part up. I made up the part about it flying off into the distance, but... It, I mean, it flew off, but I made up the part about it flying off with my worries and fears, but it was, we saved it, and it was kind of cool, and I felt good about myself, and we went and got some drinks, um, what else, Questlove owes me a favor, and he's not listening to this, but if you, if you talk to Questlove, tell him I want to be one of the roots, tell him I want to be made a root, and he has to do it because he owes me an, a, a large favor, he'll know what you're talking about, trust me. Um, what else happened? Oh, the podcast is now on iTunes and Stitcher. I will put in one of that, like, the, the crowd applauding sound effect, but I don't feel like doing that. It's, I've given myself too many jobs. Like, right now, I just got done prepping my set for tonight that starts in, like, two hours. Uh, it's just been a whirlwind weekend, man, full of, full of work. A lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of everything is work, but you know you do work to get work. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, like I was saying, we're on iTunes and we're on Stitcher. So go ahead and subscribe there to one of those. Um, you'll be able to get this podcast and and not miss an episode unless I miss an episode. Then we're both shit out of luck. But subscribe, 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 rate, review, rate, review, rate, review. It doesn't mean anything if you're consuming this content, and not telling people about it, or letting people know you were there. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the problem with with music in general right now for my opinion is that unless there's a conversation about it nobody knows it's out there so you might have bought the new care brown Hassan Mackey joint like oh this is crazy why is it so slept on because you're not leaving comments on the iTunes page or the SoundCloud page 
or you've illegally downloaded it. Whatever you did, just make sure you tell people about this shit that you like, man. Otherwise, we won't make it because we won't know you like it. You know what I'm saying? And I can see how many of y'all motherfuckers are subscribing, too. I know how many people we got signed up for iTunes. Let's do better, man. Let's get these numbers up. Let's get this yaper. You know what I'm saying? Let's get these yapers. Uh, I'm way too turned up right now. And I just started drinking my coffee. Uh, yeah, so this week, this week, I have my good friend Spree Wilson on the show. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, the episode runs a little long. Like, it's an hour and 30. And the last episode I taped after this one runs, like, almost two hours. And I was kind of waffling about doing long podcasts. But I don't really give a fuck, man. If you don't want to hear it, just cut the shit off. Or like, like, take the time to pause it and then come back to it. I'm not going to edit it. It's just a good conversation. And it deserves, it deserves to be the length that it is. I don't want to do two-parters. I don't want to do none of that shit. I mean, maybe for the two-hour one, I might do a two-parter. But fuck that shit, yo. You got to sit and listen to it. You got to consume this media. You got to rate, review, subscribe. You got to do all that shit. <laughs> yeah, but uh, whatever. My friend Spree, we talk about life, man talk about life he's a really good friend of mine i would consider him one of my better like my best friends in new york city you know what i'm saying like the dude <laughs> he's good for giving me random phone calls uh, i ask him my life advice like he this is a this is a real conversation this is one of those conversations that you know when i turn to somebody for advice or when like i call spree so you're getting a real treat with this one you're getting a real glimpse inside of my secret life gene neil adam fernanda it's my secret life, as you guys like to say I have. But nah, that was an inside joke that five people will get. And if they listen to the podcast, they'll laugh. But otherwise, you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. It's cool. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying your work week. I know it just started, and I know you're spending it with me, so it's got to be good. You know what I'm saying? At least this hour and some change will be good. Other than that, fuck your boss. Tell him to tell him you quit your job. We'll talk about that in a little while, though. Get that a couple weeks. Um... No, give it a week. All right, so let's get into this because I've been going long this intro. I'm just really happy to talk to you guys right now. Uh, we're six minutes into the intro. I want to do like the Mark Marin coffee sip and pow! I just shit my pants. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Bad with names, episode three. Spree Wilson, the housewarming. How you start your podcast? This is. This is it. <laughs> this is how I start the podcast. Okay. Now, but, uh, so, I want to say, welcome to your new apartment. You know what I'm saying? No, welcome you to my new apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm welcoming you like I'm the landlord. And shit. Welcome to your new apartment. Uh, this is the mailbox key. <laughs> welcome to your new apartment. <laughs> no, but thank you for having me. It's this really nice space. So this is kind of like the, um, this is the, the, Housewarming episode. It's pretty yeah, exactly. episode. The warming and, uh, of the house. I thought it was only fitting to talk about, you know, just moving in New York City and like you know I had my recent landlord shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where it it was like three or four months worth of I think I might have to move. <laughs> <laughs> and like with I think I might have to move comes I don't have a roommate. Who can I live with? Dude, and it, what neighborhood am I going to be moving to? What? And you don't want to leave your neighborhood. <laughs> Like you don't want to. Am I gonna have to live in Benson? <laughs> well, I, I looked at. I, <laughs> I all bullshit the side. I think it was Benson Hurst and Jason. Like, am I gonna have to move to Sheep's Head? <laughs> I was ready for it. No, yeah. I was ready for you're the Bronx, ne- dude. You're never ready for that. <laughs> I was sad, man, but I'm like, nigga, I just want to live. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, with that, 
I forgot what I was gonna say. I forgot. But I was gonna ask you a question about just, you know, just like that. That because you moved around more than me. Yeah, I moved around like probably seven times in the city. I'm I, and, I, and I've been here only six, seven years, maybe. That's what I want to talk about. So. I had devised this homelessness contingency plan. Okay. <laughs> like, what to do in case of homelessness. And I feel like this is a New York, not a New York thing, but I feel like a lot of people who don't have to be, like, within reason. I'm like, I, feel, I feel like, I, I do feel like New York City is the only place where homelessness is a real factor in, in your life. Like, Dude. homelessness is a real, like, it is a real threat. Like, it, like in other cities, like, eh. I doubt if I'm going to be homeless in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like, like my rent is $400. But, <laughs> right. You know, but in New York City, like, homelessness rears its ugly head every every month. I would say. <laughs> the, thought, the thought of homelessness rears its ugly head every so month. So I, I asked because one of my homeboys, I had a homeboy. He, um, well, I have a homeboy. He had a job, like a job job, mm-hmm. suit and tie job. Mm-hmm. And he lost his apartment, and the nigga was, like, for maybe two weeks. He was between his girl's house and the, the gym. Like he would go work out, take a shower in the gym, mm-hmm. and like go back to work. You know what I'm saying? Like and just be at work, and then maybe take like he was he was balancing because he was in between places. So okay. it was it wasn't like he was homeless homeless. Right. But I'm just like yo you because his girl had roommates, so he couldn't just stay there. Right. I'm like yo, so you were kind of homeless. You know what I'm saying? And I thought about it in the context of okay, so. If I have to leave my apartment, uh-huh. what would I do? <laughs> well, the first contingency plan is the first thing their plan should be. Well, go ahead. I, I'll just finish your thought. All right, I'll, so I'll, my, all right. So my plan was, I was thinking like, all right. So I know I can alternate between three people's couches mm-hmm. for like two or three days mm-hmm. at a time. Mm-hmm. And after I burned that option out, mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> I don't know what I was gonna do. Like, I didn't want to, cause you, if you sublease, you end up burning out all the money that you save up while you to get your apartment. Cause it's not like it's not like you're homeless with no income. It's like you're just fucking homeless in New York. Yeah, it's like you just, just. I don't. I haven't found the apartment that I want to live in. Yet. Right. But you know what? I mean, my my. <laughs> My experiences with quote unquote homelessness or what we're talking about as as it refers to the homelessness that we're referring to, which is not sleeping on the street, even though like when I first moved to New York, I did sleep in a train station. Um, <clears throat> the homelessness we're referring to is like couch hopping. So, I mean, <clears throat> listen, I've <laughs> I've I've short stayed couch hop and I've extended stayed couch hop. <laughs> like. Like when I after I after when I when I first moved here and I found a couch to crash on, it was my friend Stephanie's. And I think I may have stayed on her on her couch for like a good week. And then my uh my a, a, a family friend who lives here, which I I've been knowing him my whole life, he allowed me to stay at his crib for a month. Um <clears throat> which was cool, um, until his like his girl moved in and then like yeah. it was like well, I have to go. So yeah. from there, <clears throat> I found that's when I found my first official apartment the in New York City. The one uh, off of Nostrum? Fulton? No, the one Fulton and Franklin. I don't think I've been in that one. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> <laughs> listen, 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 ain't nobody coming to that listen, motherfucker. Listen, nobody was coming to that joint. Like, I wonder. You know what? I wonder if everybody's first apartment. Experience is as shitty as mine. Can we cuss? 
Yeah. Okay. I, w- I wonder if everybody's like uh, uh, New York apartments first right. time. Uh, like, like I'm talking about like an experience of just moving to the city with no job. Like, I'm not talking about like the whole like, oh, I, I set my shit up before I got there. I'm talking about a nigga, a nigga like, yo, I'm going to New York next week and I'm gonna find some shit. It's everybody's so, experience with apartments as fucked up. My first, my moving to New York experience. I quit my job, went on tour, and I was like, I'm just gonna fucking go to New York now, fuck mm-hmm. this shit. So I came to New York, and I slept on my homeboy's cement floor for like a month. I mean, he, he didn't give you any, like, pillows? I had a blanket in the pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I had a blanket in the pillow, and furthermore, my homie, his, his brother would sometimes, like, we would just hang out and shit, so he would sleep on the floor next to me sometimes, like, I don't want the nigga to feel like, you know, he's just <laughs> a dog or something in the house. So we would just, like, be in this fucking floor, like, and it, you know, and, and then he would, when my boy would wake up to go place, he would he'd wake me up like, yo, you can get in the bed now, you can get on the couch. Mm-hmm. You know, he just didn't want to, he didn't want to, like, whatever. But, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was the first month, like, month of some change. Okay. And I scrambled until I found, um, a crib, like a, a room for rent kind of situation. Okay. And that was, I lived there for maybe, excuse me, like two, two and a half years. And it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't the best setup at all. Mm-hmm. I basically lived in somebody's. I lived in the dining room, and, and I lived in the. I lived in like the living area, and the, my roommate lived in the dining room. So the kitchen was in his part, in his part of part of the oh, apartment. Wow. Yeah. And he had a job, and I would just be at home. Yeah. So I would cook while he was away, uh-huh. and I would stash my food in my little mini fridge, uh-huh. and just make dinner in the microwave. Uh-huh. So, and <laughs> you know, it was like if I had never been to college, I probably wouldn't know how. <laughs> I would have had to figure it out. But I was like, oh, this is just like dormitories. This is this is cool. Yeah. I've done this before. Yeah, it was pretty rugged. Like I will say, in terms of dating and how it affected me meeting people and dating people, I had a girlfriend at the time, and she would come visit me, uh-huh. and she thought I was like living in a fucking zoo. She was like, "What kind of uncivilized <laughs> shit?" Like, nigga. Uh, so if I want a glass of water, what do I do? Right. I was like, oh, well, I can go to the store and get you a bottle if I'm out of water, Murphy. Right. She was just like, nigga, no, you can't. Well, I, I, all right, I have, I have two, I have two points to add to the story. <laughs> all right, so my first experience, my when I moved in, when I moved to the apartment on Fulton and Franklin, um, it was, it was a pseudo sublease. It was actually like an okie doke. So this What's is a pseudo sub. So it was a sub sublease. I'm about, to, I'm about to tell you. <laughs> so, so I'm like. <laughs> Like my cousin's like he's like man you know I got you know my girl's moving in so you gotta find a spot and you gotta find it quick. So I didn't I didn't know anybody that many people in New York except for like you and maybe like I knew um I knew like a couple of other people maybe like I could count on like one hand maybe. Um so I was like one of the people that I did know I was like yo I need to, I need to get an apartment. He said yo my homeboy I'm not gonna say his name on here but he's like my homeboy he has his he has his studio. That he's on, um, that he he's gonna sell these, man. He's he's he, he has another spot that he's gonna crash at, so he's gonna sell these this spot. I'm like, oh, word, let me go check it out. So I go to the spot. I mean, it's like probably like the whole apartment, including the bathroom and kitchen, is probably like half of this room. Okay, um, that sounds about right. Yes, and by half of this room, he means approximately the size of a normal bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they can only fit like maybe a twin bed in there. Yeah, yeah. So like. So I go in there, I'm like, okay, cool. Like he's like, yo, I'm gonna charge you five hundred dollars. Alright, that's that's no big deal. Like five hundred dollars is doable. So we make this we make this agreement, you know, no signed papers or anything, but he's like, yo man, you can have the apartment, I'm never gonna be here. It's sublease, here's the keys. I'm like, oh bet, that's cool. 
So I started noticing, like, as I as I, I'm living there, this dude was just like pop up every now and then, like, but not 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 even like not, not even like making itself known that he's coming over, but just cramming my ass and just like, hey, <laughs> shaking on you. I think I left some folks over here. Let me go grab them. And and, and like what I, what I started to notice is like this motherfucker would do this shit. Constantly more and more so it's like one day it's just like you stopping over for two minutes another day you stopping over for five minutes another day you stopping over for an hour then one night I'm waking up in the middle of the night I hear the door open I'm like I, I, a motherfucker's breaking in my crib and this, this nigga he's like yo I'm about to just sleep right here I'm like dog this is the agreement we had my man like, like and, and, and it all came to a head when I had a chick over and uh and we, we we weren't we weren't in full we weren't in full oh, full, man, full no. sex mode, but we were we were getting there, and no. and my man just busted in the door and like with like no one, nigga. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like nigga, what about me? <laughs> oh, he didn't tell you what was going no. down like this, did he, girl? <laughs> and I and he got a tag out like Justin, like. <laughs> Yo, he really thought it was a tag team thing. Oh my god! And so, like, when, when that happened, I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. No, that, that's that's nightmare. Yeah, and, that, and that's when and that's when I went to um that's when I went to go stay at that apartment. You you came when I was staying with uh my friends over there near Prospect Prospect Park, over off of Washington. I remember it, but I don't remember. Yeah, you, you've been you've been in like a lot of apartments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's when I went back to couch sleep and couch surfing yeah, or yeah. my extended stay. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I remember, yeah. So I went there, but yeah, that, I mean that experience was was the most insane, craziest experience I've had in New York as as it goes for like apartments. But I, I want to I want to add to what you said about the girl thing. You know what? Like I feel like, and you have to tell me what you think about this. Like I feel like. Women in New York are more understandable oh, about about, oh, about oh. shitty apartments oh, than any down. other city in the world hands because like down. like you could have a you could have a a pretty amazingly beautiful woman come to your apartment that's the size of a closet and she not really I mean she may have, she, <laughs> she may she may, have, she may have a little complaint but she's not gonna like she's not it's it's, it's not it's she's like, like a, what kind of bullshit you got me up yeah right it's, it's not it's not one of those things it's not a make or break it like listen I've never met a girl in this city where like a, a small apartment is a real make or break situation you know what I mean in New York you know what I mean? maybe in other places but in New York City like I mean listen I had a girl come to that apartment on Fulton and Franklin she was beautiful you know what I mean like. And she like I had a it was a pallet on the floor it wasn't like I didn't have a bed you know what I mean but yeah. it's like yo this is and, and that's so that's the thing like like I feel like if you think about it so she came to see you she got on the train it was probably a homeless dude taking a shit in the corner <laughs> a rat ran through her foot you know what I'm saying there was a person on the train showtime fucking doing drop kicks and yeah. dancing. She's like, I don't give a fuck what this nigga's apartment like. He's cool, you know. What I'm yeah, that's how <laughs> like, it I is. feel like it's you're just just such a, a like it's overwhelming the amount of like it's, it's visual stimulation. Like I, I, all your auditory senses are going crazy. Right. Like it don't really matter if that's somebody's house and you trust them as a person, you cool with it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It, 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 New York is it's, it's a different city, man. Like I've never, I never imagined it to be the way it is. Like I can't say I imagine I, I didn't I didn't picture myself living here. This, uh-huh. New York wasn't like some childhood dream. Right. New York was like a comic, like a, a movie set to me. It wasn't it wasn't real. It didn't exist in my mm-hmm. in my in my mind. I couldn't fathom. 
I, I knew what LA looked like. I, right. I could fathom any other city, but New York was just like, I don't get it. Really? Man, when I moved here, San Francisco, it was totally whimsical, man. Yeah, I understood San Francisco. Like, I understood Chicago. I understood every city in America, but New York just was like Tokyo. Because it was so tall and everything. Like, I'm just, I didn't get it. I felt that way about LA when I went out the first few times I went out there. LA just feels flat and wide. And, you know, it, it, it just feels like a, a suburb with, with, with a big, like, it feels like if a strip mall was a real substantial thing. You know what I'm saying? LA feels like that girl that everybody talks about, and then when you get a chance to hang with her, you're like, yo, is this the girl you talking about? <laughs> yeah. like, is this the girl y'all hype up? It's like, it's like that girl, it's like everybody's like, ooh, man, yo, she yeah. is the one. I'm telling yeah. you, bro, like, she is bad. Best, and then, and best then you, analogy in the fucking world. And then you're like, yo, and then you meet this girl, and you hang out with her, you're like, what? Like, yeah. her? Yeah. And it's like, Gorgeous, it's wonderful like, tacos, yeah. beach tacos. <laughs> it's like when, when she talks to you, her titties out and everything, and then you go talk to her like it's not that. It's and then you look up like, oh, it's like, just smog, and the Hollywood <laughs> side is kind of not that cool anymore. And <laughs> I spend I spend ninety percent of my day in a car in traffic. Like it's like, dude, that's that's what I that's that's what I get out of L.A. It's like it's that girl that everybody talks about. You go, you kick it with her, and like, man, I mean. I've seen better. But so you said New York was whimsical. In your mind, like, what did you did you have like this whole did you have like this whole dream mm-hmm. of living in New York? Yeah, I did, man. Before I got here, I remember like every day I used to especially when wintertime hits, I used to I used to um in Atlanta. Yeah. In Atlanta and Nashville I used to just listen to like old Frank Sinatra songs and like all these like kind of things about New York, Billy Holiday, all these like jazz records. And not like jazz, like not like the not like even Miles Davis. I'm talking about like that, like big band, slow ballad jazz, where it's like you're walking through the park, Central Park, and you see the the leaves falling, and it's like all these whimsical ideas really? about New York. And then like my, my my favorite, you know, one of my favorite artists, John Lennon. So I I, I would just look, always look about look at his pictures and just hear him, look at interviews about him talking about New York and just all this old footage in New York. And I just had this idea. That's probably why. I mean, I wouldn't say New York was a was a letdown so much, but it it there was no way that the New York in my head could match the expectations. I don't know. There was no way that the New York that exists today could match the expectations of what was in my head. You know what I mean? Like because those days were all. I mean, they were pretty much gone when I moved here. Like when I first when I first moved here, especially in Brooklyn. Like you were here maybe like when did you move here? Oh seven, I think. Yeah, so like yeah. I moved, I moved here maybe a, a year or two later, and it was kind of dying down then, you know. Cause I remember like I used to try to hang with you, like man, like I'm like what's going on? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like there's some things. Go- I mean, that, that's the best dog with impersonation ever. Things, I mean, things, I, mean, oh, uh, I, mean. <laughs> I mean, things were going on, but it's like it's like dude, it's like that's the fucked up thing about New York and Brooklyn. It's like things change all the time. And then you just realize like all your friends are just getting older and they're not doing all the we're like we're like falling out of the loop. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. But first let's take a break real quick. Okay. Hello. Be right back. What's up? It's Bree Wilson. And you can check out my new jam, Dark Days, right now on iTunes. Hey yo Don, I see you doing big things with this podcast. I need fifty-four point eight percent. <laughs> I see you doing things, and I want in, baby. Let me have it. All right, so getting back on the topic of growing old in New York City as a transplant. When you first came to New York, 
and this isn't specific to you, this is for anybody you know, because like, you've had this experience too. The people that come visit or like like new that move here newly, they want to do everything. <laughs> yes. Like all the fucking things. It's not even people that move here. It's even people that visit. And they, the, and the they visitors are work. And they want you to do everything. You to do everything <laughs> with them. They want that context to you. So it's just like, like I remember. So all right, this is this is not, this is a more personal one. Like not really personal. Like, but this is a mutual friend. You know, Tap. Yeah, Tap yeah, just moved yeah. out here. Shout out to Tap Tiana. <laughs> Shout out to Tap. And I remember when I saw him. Like randomly walking through Williamsburg, he was like, "What up, blood?" I'm like, "Oh shit, tap! You're in, what are you doing here?" He's like, "I live here now." I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "So he was, we were going to, um, it was a party or something we were going to." And I was with Vaughn, and Tap was like, "So what? We're going to Brooklyn Bowl or some shit." And Tap was like, "What else is going on? I got so and so tonight." And I was just looking like, "Give you a month, brother." <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gonna want to go to none of that shit. But it's different for him because he's a DJ. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So like, half of going out is his job. But when it's a motherfucker that literally has nothing to do other than go to an open, the open bar scene was so crucial. Yeah. In the first year yeah, of me being yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, me too. Now you can't like the, the last thing I the last thing I, I care about is free liquor at the party because the liquor is always free. Yeah. The liquor yeah. is always and if it's not free, you only need about two drinks anyway. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That that was my uh, that was like my um my initiation to New York was like like the <laughs> like the industry. Open bar event, like oh man, EA Sports is having an event. It's free. You get <laughs> yeah, EA you know, Sports always have yeah, sponsored by Heineken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you go there, they have they have like you know they they put out the food trays and everything, so you get like you know it's not a real meal, but it's something that holds you over. Yeah, and you go get a free drink, and then you just get wasted, and you go back to your crib. You go back like, home, and you 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 fill up on those fucking hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, and you let the alcohol just be your food. Yeah, and you go and you wake up like oh man, it was an amazing night. Until you can't subside on that anymore. Until like month three <laughs> kicks in and you got this, you've had this hangover haze for two and a half months. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I gotta figure out something else to do besides wasting money, spending money going to fucking get drunk in the city or yeah. cabs or whatever fuck your mode of transportation is. But I understand it though. Like when you move here, like man, New York is lonely as hell, dude. Yeah. Like so, it's 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 yeah. also a good way to meet people. You know, like <clears throat> like. I met a lot of I won't say close friends, but I definitely met people who who were able to like keep me afloat. Like they they substituted as people as friends. Well, you know, you know I mean? New York is okay. So one thing about New York that I figured out, not to cut you off, I figured out that New York is about having micro scenes. Like right, like yeah. like you have in, in any other city, you have groups of friends, but you don't really talk to them a lot. Like mm-hmm. you just see them. Right. In New York, you almost have to talk to all of your groups of friends. To maintain some sort of like yeah. social balance, unless you're just a fucking hermit, hermit, or you work really long hours in a job. But for the most part, you might have your, you might have your your, your fashion scene friends, you might have your hip hop scene friends, you might have your art scene friends, right. and within those scenes, you may know like three or four different groups. Yeah, and you gotta like, it's it's really a hard thing to manage if you like break it down yeah. to the numbers. Yeah. But at the end of the day. Like you were saying, you have to if you don't want New York to be such a lonely place. Because I said it in a song. I'm like, my nigga Spree said New York lonely as fuck. Cause yeah. we had to, we've had this conversation yeah, numerous times. Numerous times about how, you know, you could you could look up, you could wake up on Monday and look up and it'll be Friday. You haven't talked to anybody yeah. or seen anybody because yeah. you're like so caught up in what you're doing yeah, exactly. that you just get lost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because like, man, like 
Especially the the longer you stay in New York, you, you just don't even want to leave your house. <laughs> so it's just like you, you can you can go for three weeks without ever seeing any of your friends, and sometimes you guys you just have to say, you know what, like my life needs some kind of social interaction. Like I'm dying right now. Like, I can't stay in my house for a month and not have any kind of social interaction. And so. Yeah, you just have to call your friends up and just like, yo, stop by or let's it's, grab a beer or something. I yo, don't know. Especially in the wintertime. In the summer, it's a little different. Yeah, the, the in winter- the summer, it's too hot to be indoors. Sometimes yeah. you just like want to get out the house because the days be fucking long. And it's just more things happening in the summertime. Yeah. Like, you know, then you're just, you're bound to, you're bound to see your friend at least once every week, you know, on a weekend or once every two weeks. Yeah. In the winter, like, man, you might go three months without seeing people. Nigga, it's, it's, what nigga, is it? That shit is goddamn sad. What do they call that shit? Cupcakes? What is it? Sweater season? Nigga, that shit should be goddamn suicide <laughs> season, nigga. Because that's what it makes you feel like, <laughs> That shit is goddamn. I wonder, yo, I wonder if they do a statistical report on how many people off themselves. <laughs> the Brooklyn Bridge. The winter months. The Brooklyn Bridge tourism is off the hook in the winter months. <laughs> Motherfuckers be on the edge of the bridge like, yo. today? Today, <laughs> today is not the day. Oh my God! I'm gonna use this this, met, this unlimited metro car before I do it, bro. Yeah, <laughs> this will be my last trip, nigga. <laughs> Yo, I I want I need to know what are the stats? What are the reports on? People committing suicide in New York during the winter holidays. I think actually, I think that might be just a phenomenon. Though. I think that in New York is probably worse. I know that in San Francisco, that they did a fast. It's a movie about the, the Golden Gate Bridge. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie, but I heard. I hear that it's like a huge suicide. It's like a suicide landmark destination. Yeah, it's like Disneyland like, for suicides. <laughs> and this is, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever plan on killing yourself in a in a very fashionable way, the Golden Gate Bridge is definitely the best way out of all out of all places in San Francisco to do it. You're going to going to, to die for. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> no, but like, I guess. With me and combating loneliness, like I, I stay busy with work. Like I just do a lot of shit. Like I just try to be creative and work on shit all the time. But I was somebody was telling me um, they were talking about how like art that comes from depression and sadness is the mm-hmm. best kind of art. And I guess it is if you're not making it. Like you know, like like if you're making it, sometimes it is a release and it is outlet. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's just documenting that feeling. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times it's just it's literally just about. I have to do something other than fucking sit here and be sad or sulk or whatever. Versus yeah. the part of the user in experience where it's just like, oh man, I can so much relate to how you feel right now. Yeah. You don't want to feel that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. And you don't really get the same experience as the person that's finding your art being mm-hmm. lonely. You know what I'm saying? I don't, man, art doesn't take me away from depression at all. That's like, what I'm, yeah. I, I was uh, listening to this podcast that Andre 3000 had with, uh, I think, Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Yeah. They were like, <laughs> Does, does making music help? Well, no, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe he didn't say it there, but I think maybe it was an interview where they it, asked him about because they asked about his mom passing. I read that interview. Um, he was like, "Yo, did you, did you, did you like? Does music help you? Which like, you know, take you out of depression?" He's like, "No." I was like, "Man, that's." I thought I was really the only person because for so long people was like, "Yo, you make the best art when you're depressed." I'm like, "Actually, man, like." I always make art about being depressed when I'm not depressed. Like I can like I like to recall memories of times like Dude. I was really fucked up and write about it when I'm happy. Like I don't like I can't <laughs> I can't I can't make work when I'm fucked up. Like it's like when I'm depressed I'm fucking depressed and I don't want to do shit. I yes. Do no work. Yo, I don't want to make music. Yo. I don't want to think about writing lyrics. I don't want to think about putting picking up a guitar. 
I just want to fucking sulk, man. And I only like any song people heard about heard from me when it, where I maybe talking about an ex or something was always when I was like I was cool, I was chilling. Like I just it, I just recall memories of like really being fucked up. Like oh shit, that shit was really fucked up, and that's why I was able to like make it sound realistic, even though I wasn't in a specific. I wasn't at that place at the time. It's just like yo, like. We've all been there. I can recall a memory right now that could make you feel like, oh man, I relate. But I don't have to be depressed for you to for you to feel it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like perfect example. Usually when I'm sad is when I'll try to make happy music. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'll try and fail. That makes sense. Yeah, like it's just like I gotta figure out a time when I'm. I don't. When I'm sad, I'm not like, oh, I'm so sad. I'm yeah. Gonna be sad on this song. Like I, I do the same thing. But um, to to um add on what you were saying about making music when you're sad while you're happy I feel like you have to get a certain level of distance from whatever it is that made you sad right? yeah. you have to get a certain level of distance to, like time and distance and understanding like if 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 you punch me in the mouth right now I might be mad <laughs> and I might just fucking take my shit and go home <laughs> but in a day or two I might be like well I did kind of Put some butter stains on it. <laughs> had a reason to punch me. Like I'm like, but right now I might just be fucked up, but not have the, you know what I'm saying? Like, so basically, you have to have some sort of relationship to the sadness, other than sitting in it. It has to be a relationship of, you know, oh, I see, I can, I can understand it. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I can only, I can only write about things where, it, I can really comprehend the whole thing. I, I don't like to write songs when I'm extremely emotional because I like to be logical too in music so I don't want to just write from it just um, an emotional standpoint I just want to be I want to have emotion in it but I don't want to write like cause, some, cause that shit changes like like you get in an argument with your girl and you might think you, you're in the right you know what I mean like man she was fucked up dog <laughs> and, then you, and then you take a day like yo you know what I see why she did like how you said like like, like, if I punch you in the mouth, I'm like, damn, man, that's fucked up. I'm taking my shit, and I'm going to kick you in the nuts, and I'm going to leave. And then you get home, like, damn, well, damn, I, I did kind of, like, just kick water on this floor and, like, spill butt on this table. Like, damn, okay, I, I probably would have kicked me in my mouth, too. You know what I mean? Like, right. so it's like, it's like when you when you have that kind of hindsight and you're logical about it, you're still able to add the emotion that you felt in the situation, but you're able to, like, look at it from a point of, Man, like just just like a different aspect, you know. So you 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 stop. It's less about feeling the emotion and more about analyzing. Yeah, it. exactly. Like you stop relating to the emotion on an emotional level, where it's just like, oh man, it's I'm sad. And it becomes more about it becomes more about looking at the actions that may have caused it, or like the reaction to it, or whatever. Agreed. But speaking of making music, since we're on the topic of making music, and you're a musician, right? No. I would hope so. <laughs> what, what's your process? Like, I guess what's your process? Um, I don't say. I won't say what inspires you to make music. I mean, like when you get down to like nuts and bolts making the song. When you, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. So I asked this because I remember a while ago when you were in that apartment uh, in Crown Heights. Yeah, uh-huh. I was. We were talking about it one day. And you're like, man, I do. A, I try to do a song a day. Right. Even if it's just jotting an idea down mm-hmm. or like writing a lyric or whatever, I'm a, I do a song a day. Mm-hmm. And so, presumably, under that line of thinking, you have like 365 songs right now. I go to my voice memos, I have like tons of shit. So, how do you, do you like ever just, like, how do those become actual songs? Like, I, like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, dude, like, I mean, be honest. For like, you, yeah. Nine times out of ten, 
I do it because I want to know. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like this huge fear I have. Like some, like someday, like the shit is just gonna disappear. Like my talent is gonna be gone. You know what I mean? So sometimes <laughs> it's, it's not a rap. Like I have the same fear. Yeah. So sometimes I just like I just like I'll just sit down on the guitar and just make the dumbest hook. But I, I, but I have to. It has to be catchy. You know what I mean? Like it, it they could it could be saying nothing, but it could just be like, like I don't know, like. Um, I need some Reese's. I need some Reese's. I need like it could be something stupid, but it's like if it's catchy, like oh okay, I still have that connection to like writing really really catchy things that I remember. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a talent. So it hasn't left yet. So and what I sung was just horrible, but I'm saying like that's what, that's, 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 that's kind of the, that's kind of like the idea. Like well, I, I mean Reese's I, might pick that up. Yeah, exactly. So I was like holla at our, our new sponsor Reese's, <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups. So yeah, it's just like. It's just, so that that's that's kind of like the idea, and then every now and then I come up with something that's really fucking good, and I was like, oh, that's cool, and then I just tuck it away. But my process actually, I mean, it it changes, it differs, you know. Like before that, do you ever go back and listen to all the old? Yeah, sometimes like when I'm like, but it's only when somebody like it's only when like I have to like uh like. Yeah, this is a great song. Do you have any more? Or like, oh, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go work oh, with yeah. an artist. I see. What like, well, let me go see if I like. It's maybe it's something in here that I could just take to them. And like, oh yeah, I had this idea. So that's the only time I go back. But not really. Like, all that shit is just exercise. It's like yeah. it's like it's like how an artist just doodles every single day. It may not be anything. It's, it's not like it's not like something he's gonna put in the moment or see. Yeah. It's just like an artist. Every like every every person I know that draws always doodles, and they maybe throw it away. It's just like oh. Throw it away, you know. What I mean, they're not keeping it. It's just like, it's just a it's sharpening the skill that you have, and b it's just probably just like it's it's almost like like push ups. Right? Yeah, it's like you got you know you want to stay healthy and shit. So. so I have problems. I have problems with editing and, and like throwing shit away. So like I doodle a lot. Like mm-hmm. when I when I'm sad and I don't make music, I draw. Mm-hmm. Like and I draw. It might just be scribbles and lines and shit, mm-hmm. but I almost like in some pack rat fashion just have a folder full of these. Dumb doodles. Like it's not even anything that looks like anything. <laughs> I'm just. I'm I mean, what, what, what? What are you keeping it for, yo? Like, what's I, the point? I don't know. <laughs> like, you have to. It's like people keep things for a reason. Like, it's not. It's not like, oh, I don't know. Nah, I don't know why I'm keeping it. It's like, I'm a, you, I, yeah, it has to be a reason. Like, oh, yeah. I wanna, maybe I want to show my kids this. Like, it's just the idea of like, I want somebody's gonna somebody's gonna discover this before, you I'm know, a, after I'm gone. I'm a pack rat, man. Like, like even. Are you a hoarder, man? I, I, I am. I am. You, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even gonna. I'm, I'm about to call an intervention for you. Man. <laughs> but I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to derail the conversation about the process. Cause I really wanted to uh, hear about. Alright, so the process basically is like, I mean, in a, in a real setting, like if I go to a studio, or if I'm writing, if I'm really, if I'm really trying to write a song, it starts off me picking up a guitar and me just figuring out what a good melody is. And once I got a melody that I really, really love and I can remember and it's catchy to me, then I'll start adding in, like, finding a, a like a lyric that I, I feel like is poignant to me, at least. And then a subject matter or whatever and trying to figure out what's a clever way to say it. So, for example, like, the spark, like, it started off the same way, a guitar and just me, like, me and my friend Mark Maxwell, like, singing melodies. And then it's like... You're trying to figure out, like, oh, okay, what do you want to talk about? Man, I want to talk about how people, everybody has, everybody has that something in them that makes them great. But, I mean, that's so cliche to say. Like, oh, you're great. 
you're the best. Like, <laughs> like yeah. the best you can present. Yeah. Like, yo, everybody, like, it's like, how many songs are, are, has there been made, you know, in the history of music that just says you're the best? So we're just trying to figure out different ways of saying things that are that have been said a million times. That's all music is. Music is just saying the same, like pretty much, dude, there's really, it's like movies. Yep. It's only seven, it's like seven or eight subjects that you can really, really expound on and talk about. <laughs> it's not like there's like this multitude of things that you can talk about. It's just who says it the most cleverest and clever, yeah, cleverest. Dr. Dre has a great, great quote. You either talk about the place to be, who you are, what you got about a sucker MC. Yeah. Like literally every rap song is kind of about that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And every song itself, Topically, like thematically, it's about love or it's about change. Or it's yeah, about, like it's about like change, helping the world, love, love lost, emotion. Like it's just it's only like <laughs> it's only like if you look at the top twenty on Billboard, it's the same thing, man. It's the same subjects, and yeah, the same Molly, ideas. Molly, ratchet, rat, no. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's just the way they say it, you know. So I mean, my process is no different than that. It's just finding. A, 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 a way of say it that's relatable to my thinking, you know, or just the way I think, the way I would say it, you know. So, yeah, yeah. everybody's unique, you know, just because you heard, you've heard a million songs about love, man, I heard it my, the way I talk about love. Definitely, so, and you may, your interest to music may be something like their, their interest to music may be you. Yeah. Like, you may be one of, like, you know, like, oh, I just, I just discovered something in the realm of this genre, you yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is Spree Wilson, she's crazy. Yeah, I'm exactly. gonna start branching out after that. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's talk about. I don't know. Let's talk about um, your recent trip. Unless you, what, do you have? <laughs> I do have some things to talk about, man. I, I'm, I don't mean to hijack the podcast. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Man, the Spring Wilson show. You know what I want to talk about, which is a phenomenon in New York, and we had a discussion about this outside. Man, is New York City the only place where you can know a lot of people but not know what they do? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Like I can tell you, like, so, how, like how many of your how many of your friends that you talk to on the on the regular basis do you know how they make their real spring. like how do they make money to support themselves? I'm that friend. <laughs> I'm that guy. Like there's so many people, but I know, but I know how you make money. Yeah, everybody. Like, not everybody. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But like I'm saying, like there are so many people who like yo. So what you what did you do today? Now just did some stuff. I, <laughs> and they look like, what does that even mean? How are you paying rent? You're buying a drink right now. What are you doing? <laughs> Tommy, nigga. <laughs> but no, it's, they're, they're, that New York, the epidemic in New York is definitely everybody describes themselves by their passion versus mm-hmm. by their. They, nobody's like, oh, well, I'm, a, I'm an investment banker. No, no, I'm a DJ. Yeah. Or you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm a painter. Or I'm a whatever. When did that? When did that become the thing in New York? Was that was, well, that, was that the thing before I got here? Was that always a thing, or yeah. was, that, was that a recent phenomenon? I think that's been the thing. I think that's the thing with a generation of people who don't want to be their parents. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I feel like when you when you come to places like this, or when you are in a in a, in a world where you can literally make money. Making stickers, right? Like you can just be a sticker maker, right? Or some shit. You can do. You can just say what you want to be until you're it. You know right. what I'm saying? And, and that's the other thing that we were talking about is that how there are there are people in New York who have these income streams where you're just like, how did you even do that? Right. Like I'm the dude that puts the cotton on top of a bottle of ashes. <laughs> like how did you get that job? 
I'm, I'm the number one aspirin cotton retailer in the United I'm the States. person that puts the crayons in the, the, in, the, in, the, in the color coordinated roles. That right. You find them in. I, I just I color I decide the color palette for the crayon boxes. <laughs> how? What? How did you get this job? <laughs> like they have the most random jobs in New York. Oh my god. And I feel like it's a city where like you know you can you can make these opportunities. Like they don't make them well. The opportunities are there. It's just it's a bigger market to become the guru of whatever you want. The guru of whatever you want. You okay. Know what I'm so all right. So that 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 brings me to something else that I think we've talked about maybe in the past is that, and this is one thing that I hate about particularly like the artsy black scene. In New York. <laughs> this is what I hate about it the most. It's like man in New York. It has become extremely easy to dress and to look the part of being an artist, but you're not an artist at all. It's just like you're yeah. doing everything for the gram. Like so, you do it for the gram. Like you have you have this cool look persona, but you do nothing artistic at all or nothing good artistic. But everybody, it's like so crazy. Everybody wants to look different, but. It really makes people look the same, and it, and it doesn't make you look yeah. artistic. Like I go to when I went to Afropunk, it's it's just like it just it was like I should probably shouldn't say I don't, I don't like their parties, but it carries on the, the one of the reasons why I don't like a particular. You uh, <laughs> <nah. laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, okay. it's not it's not just to Afropunk, okay, but yeah, yeah. like Afropunk to me looked like a scene from this party that happens once a month in New York. And I'm pretty sure if you listen to this podcast, you can gather what I'm getting at, what part I'm talking about. But it's like they all look the same. It's like it's like so it's so, like it's like the idea of what being artsy and black in New York is like. Oh, let me get some piercings. Let me get like a piercing right here on like on, on my septum. Let me get like let me get this weird hair color. Let me wear some Doc Martens. Let me get some cut off shorts. Let me like cut the stem of my hair off and just it's like paint by numbers, dude. People come to New York. A lot of people come to New York. Self included at a certain point in time, and you just live out whatever fantasy you can visually. You're just like, I wanted a mohawk my entire life, I'm getting one this week, yeah. And you're like, Well, I look dumb, okay, because it's mohawk, okay, okay. But that's because you wanted it though, it's not because because you wanted to fit in and look artsy, and that's the other thing. I feel like the uh, to touch on what else we're saying is that the the looking different thing. The, you can't really look different. Like, like looking looking normal is almost looking different. Like, if a motherfucker walked into a like to that scene with some khakis and a button down, it's like I don't know, man. What is if this if, if someone walks to an everyday people party with a suit on, like a a, a, a gray suit, if they walked in, with, they, they that that motherfucker's gonna stand out. That if they walked in with a gray suit, they would also that have, looks like James Bond. That looks like a James Bond suit. You mean just like? No, it would, it would be it would still be considered counterculture in some sort of way because it would just be around all these fucking black golf artsy motherfuckers, <laughs> and it would be like, oh shit, he's going for like the the, the black madman look, you know, like, like it would become a thing, it, it, or his hair would be different or something. Okay, like, so, so, be, so 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 when does it when does it ever become authentic then? It, uh, uh, is is is, I think is, is have, New York City in a state of emergency for authenticity? Is that I, what you're trying to say? I think you have to peel away the layers of the onion. And I won't say it's in a state of emergency for it, but I will say it's running rampant. Like in a in is in, is inauthenticity a word? I don't know. We just made it, it up today. It is. In, <laughs> it's a very hard word to say, but inauthenticity is at an all-time high. Like it's a lot of people who like. 
you'll notice somebody, you'll see one thing one day, you'll see something one day like, oh, like purple hair, like, oh, she has purple hair. Right. And then you'll see like five people like, oh, they all have purple hair. Right. And then you'll start to see people who would never in their fucking life yeah, have, have purple, purple hair. hair. Like, you got purple hair too. Yeah. And then you go to travel like, oh, there was one person somewhere that did this shit and then somebody, like, not even an early adopter, but a motherfucker, like, like, I would say we know so like, like, Dre, I think Dre is the kind of person that, it's not even about being ahead of a curve. She just does things on a timetable that the world doesn't really Yeah, of course. She has access to a certain level of, certain level of, of inspiration yeah. and a certain level of stuff that people don't really get. Till later on. Till later on. Till they see somebody like, oh. And it's the same thing as, like, you know, it's the same thing as, that, that's a pretty nice all over file. That's a pretty nice hat you have on. If I'm a designer that works for Urban Outfitter or whoever the fuck, not even Urban Outfitter, for whatever, I'm like, I like that hat. I'm going to go design one. I put it in the store and it's in Walmart now. Right. That's just, it's just that same culture. It's, it's not even so much cookie cutter as it is accessibility yeah, and yeah. information. Like, I think that there is an, a certain level of authenticity to, the, to that thing, with the, uh, that, that party and that whole scene in general. But it definitely, it's... Cause this to me, it's like it's gonna sound horrible. It's kind of like a costume party. Yeah, because it, it's, it's, like it's, it's, it, it's it seems to me like there are like four or five people who are the the trailblazers of that of that particular scene, and then everybody kind of just follows those five. Yeah, it's kind of like Solange, you know, Sada, all those people. They're they're the they're the spearheads of that. And, and Ro- Roleblade, they're all they're all they're the trailblazers of that idea, and then everybody's like, oh. People like this. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow whatever they're doing. And they're flanked by like, like if it's five people and they're all flanked by thirty people that that are in their trusted circle. Right. That's approximately hundred to hundred fifty people. That's enough to make the actual scene. And then you have five hundred people who are just like that. I want that. Yeah. I want to do that. And they're like, I'm coming to New York and I'm gonna dress like this for this party real quick. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so it's so scary, man. Because um, it's so scary because like it just like. One thing I liked about New York when I before I moved here is like everybody seemed to have their own little style or like their own way of doing things, and now everything has become so like you said like homogenous. Yeah, homogenized yeah. in the sense where like people are just like they just watch whatever is pop, look at whatever is popular, and like and move on. Like I, I think I mentioned this to one day one day to uh, um, uh, my homie uh, Joshua Kids in Street Etiquette. I, talk, I think I said to him. He's another. He's another one of those that like he says the how long. Yo, he's like yo, he's like man. Yeah. He is so ahead of the curve. Yeah, dude. he is the curve. And yeah, he like yeah. He, he's he's like the curve and 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 like he's he's like the the future and the present at the same time. <laughs> him and him and Travis is like they're like oh way ahead of, and it's like oh well I'm here too. Um, I think I mentioned this one that's like yo for some reason like when you came out with your uh your vso cam um app i everybody just started having pictures i, I just saw all these like rc black pictures that start to look just like yours you yeah, know what i mean yeah. like and, and and that's one thing i started ahead about instagram because like it would be like four or five photographers that i knew were ahead of the curve like you know like people that i knew like like um like andre wagner i was like joshua kizzy um Roger, uh, Roger, what's his last name? I forgot. Um, Roger Walker. All these like people who like forward thinking, and then I would just start seeing everybody who like hang, like kind of like who like looks up to them. All their stuff would look like they became, it became aspirational. Yeah, and I was like, man, like, like you guys just don't like. It's like, man, it's it's, it's great to like look at their stuff, and then to be inspired by it. But like, man, look at it and be like, yo, 
man, what could I do differently that could add to it? You know what I mean? That could enhance it a little bit. And that and that's one that's one of the reasons why like people look at my Instagram like I, I want to yeah, be color because I like it's like everything has been done. We like, had we had a me and you had this conversation. And I'm not cutting you off. I'm actually no, no, I'm yeah, actually yeah, yeah. building momentum. We talked about this a minute ago. I remember for a while you were doing like just black and white. Yeah, and it was black and it was really clean. It was crisp, but yeah. it, was, it was black and white. Right. It, was, it definitely didn't leap out at the Instagram. Yeah. And then one day you were just like, like you have been you have been doing photography for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, we done a couple of whatever. We hung out, and you were like, yeah, I got this idea. Yeah. Do color and like it's something as simple as color. It sounds super like that. That doesn't even make sense. Right. Idea <laughs> until you start to see it. Like start to see it. Like and when you go to your Instagram page now, it's like, oh, there is this sort of thing going on where now where everything is hazy and gray and everything looks like the weekend's music. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, everything is just like this smoke. Like everything has like this fa- like the fade effect on it. Like and and also like my girlfriend because she's a fashion blogger, she puts me onto it because. She, she, she's um she's actually certified in Photoshop and all that stuff and she's like oh yeah like I'll show you exactly how they do it like they all put this on there I'm like damn man like like it's just like it's just nobody see, nobody goes out and says like yo I, like man everybody's doing this I'm just gonna do this you know what I mean like I'm not, I'm not saying with color I'm the first person to do it I'm just doing color in my own way because you can look at a lot of people's color like and they'll they'll have all these really dope I mean there's people I mean I'm not listen I'm not a professional photographer. I do it because I, I I do I actually did photography because I want to get better at film. But it's like if I'm gonna do it, like I rather just start developing a style and aesthetic for myself rather than trying to copy something, you know. So I don't like I don't I'm one of those people that's that's a photographer that has no heroes. Like I, I but I know my history. Like I know about the Richard Averdines and the William Eggleston's and, and the Helen Le, uh, Levins and all these people, these great people. But I don't have a person I'm aspiration like trying to be like. It's just yeah, like yeah. I just see photography that I like. I don't know who 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 shot it. I was like, oh, I like that stuff. Like, I want to maybe move my stuff more toward that. But I don't have like a particular hero. Like, in, like how I have in music, and I think that kind of works for me because I'm not trying to like be like a particular person. You the know other I mean? thing too is like you're looking at you're looking. You have this way of looking at content and and, and art in general as a full five sensory kind of thing. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm assuming if you could make. Your song smell like something you would, yeah, yeah, yeah. and since you can't, you just do it to a, to the point where your ears compensate for that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And like visually, now you're doing, you're trying to do it to where you can like almost taste what you're yeah, doing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like you have to, and you have to think that way about making content because you were like one of the people who inspired me, like to to understand that it's not just about one thing or it's not just about one texture. And you know what I'm saying? It's, it's never, it's it's never about. It's never just about oh, I'm gonna make this cool song or this, yeah, this yeah. lyric is dope. It's about not only is this the best it could be, but how can I push this to be even better than it was? Yeah. Or, or how can I? What can I add this to or add to this to make it even more appealing to more people that, that probably wouldn't fuck with it before? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, like, like the way you do your like, I know you say you're not a professional photographer, but the way that you think about photography and the way that you go about shooting is very professional. It's more professional than professionals. Yeah. Like, I've done work with photographers and I'm not dragging anybody through. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, some people just have a camera and they have a decent eye. Yeah. And that's as far as it goes. Like, they don't know how to treat the film. Like, they don't know how to, like, they don't know how to color correct. They don't know how to do anything other than just, like, give you a cool, a nice, a, a shot with nice composition. And yeah. that's, that's it. And you're like, oh, that's, that's cool, but you didn't really, you didn't think about how these two colors were made versus yeah, you. You just like, you hit me like, yo, we went and did a shoot one day and Spree was just like, wear a bright shirt. 
And I'm just like, I don't even wear bright colors. I just wear a bright shirt. <laughs> like, yeah. And then, like, throughout the day, he, see, he looks at the shirt, like, okay, this is the wall we should go to. Like, yeah. You know exactly what you're doing. It's not, and, I mean, you could tell based on your Instagram that it's not just some accidental shit going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I've had, like, I've had people that, that taught me like well, like um, like I said it on Instagram, on Instagram one day, like this guy named Eddie Pearson. He's the actual reason why I bought a, a professional. Camera. Eddie, man, I'm, I'm supposed to get up. I've never met him, but I know him. Amazing person, man. One of the yeah, one we, of the sweetest, to... uh, most humblest guys I've ever I've ever met in my life, and just like I mean, just the overall talent, man. Um, and he actually convinced me, like, cause I remember I I, I ran into him, like, cause I I've been knowing Eddie for a few years. It, and I and like before he 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 left New York and came back and then I just me and was he in Virginia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what he reached, he reached out to me saying he wanted to come up and like do like a shoot where he followed us around and hung out with us or something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And like I I, I don't know what happened, but we never hooked it up. Yeah, well, he's actually the, the inspired me to get a camera and start shooting like on a regular basis because me and um me and my girlfriend saw him at the uh, the Larry Levon block party. And he took a picture of us, and now we just like you know got in a conversation after not seeing each other for like a couple of years. He he told me because he used to do music. He's like, yo, I'm I'm into photography now. Like I've been shooting for like a, a year and a half, and like you know I've just been really focused. And I knew that he wasn't one of those people who were like trend hopping on photography. Cause yeah, man, yeah, like yeah. he knew he like he knew his stuff, man. Like you can tell, like you can you can always tell when somebody like is like a nerd. Like he's like a, a photography okay. nerd, and like he was just telling me about aspects, ratios, all these different things. Why this works with this? Why this exposure works he, with this? And he and he and he not only could he talk it, he could do it. Like we went out on a shoot, he shot me. I was like, man, this dude is really good. He did like, a shoot with the car and all that shit. Nah, that's my friend Jamie. Who actually okay. my roommate. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. He did a, he did a shoot where I was running and I was blurry, but you can you can still I, see I, me. I, I, I think yeah, I and I put it on Instagram and everything else was blurry, and uh and I and after talking to him, I was like, man, you know what? Like I I've, I I kind of want to like I want to I want to shoot, and then my mom got sick, and then I went to Nashville, and that's kind of when I started like really taking photography serious. I didn't even have a camera then, but like it was the only thing to do in Nashville to take my mind off my mom being in the hospital. So I would like take my Instagram. At first I would go online and like really study like, all right, let me study composition. Cause it was at a point where like, before before I went to Nashville in, at the end of July, like I was taking pictures, but like I didn't really concentrate on composition and all that stuff. Was, I was just, I was like doing whatever most people do with a, a camera phone. You know, they flick, they see something, they take a picture of it. And then when I got to Nashville, I was like, man, like I'm staying in the house, I'm at the hospital, let me just go online and just start studying photography about composition and all that stuff. And I would just study for a few hours and I would actually go out in the city and just like try to find interesting things to shoot. And I know it's like, man, like my, like just one little small thing that I started doing, like start making my photography, you know, 20 times better, you know what I mean? Just like finding interesting places to place people and objects and things yeah. of that nature. And then, and then I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I got back to New York. And then I was like, yo, I want to get a camera. So he took me to the store and he like, you know, he, he, he walked me through the process. Like this, you can get this kind of camera and do these things. You can get this kind of camera and do things, do these things. But he knew I wanted to do film. So he's like, yo, if you want to do film also, you should get this camera. Cause this has a really good, it's like the top of the line as far as like doing HD video and you can take really good pictures with it. So I ended up getting like a 70D camera. And then, so then I started taking it. I just I would just shoot every day. Like my, my pictures were terrible. You know what I mean? They were just like I was just shooting, shooting, shooting stuff, shooting stuff. And there were and then they just started getting really, really, really like just getting better and better because I was shooting every day. I made a I made an agreement with myself that I would shoot every single day, whether it, even if it's just one picture. So I would shoot every single day. And then what happened? 
And so then I would just start shooting. And then I always wanted to do color though. And then so I just took my friend Jamie, who's my roommate now, and I was like, yo, let's, I found these walls. Like, let's just wear, like, I, I went in her room, I found a shirt for her to wear, a pink shirt. I was like, yo, this is blue wall, it'll be cool, just wear it against this. So I took some picture wear against that. And then that just, like, had my mind, like, oh, I think I got something. Like, I think this is what I want to do. And that's when I talked to you. I was like, yo, Don, I think I got this idea, man. I think I just want to shoot color, man. And I, I'm pretty sure he's like, man, okay. Like, that's, that sounds I, okay. <laughs> that sounds cool. I, 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 was, I, didn't, I didn't understand what you meant. I, I knew what you meant, but I didn't get it. I was like, is he just going to take pictures and like, shape and shit? But the, the thing for me is that, so I have a background in photography too. Like we uh, talking about. Yeah. I never understood color. Like, yeah. I understand it, but I don't understand how to like, it, it, it always, I always make, when I use color, it becomes, it, it's too, it becomes noisy. It uh -huh. becomes like, it's just overwhelming. Like, it's, it's not, like the way you use cover is really pared down to the point where it, the the scene will be even if they're like ten to twelve colors, it'll be about four different colors. Yeah, it'll be about like three or four. Yeah, like because you tell a story visually with like certain elements of composition, and I could never. I have a better mind for composition than cover. Mm -hmm. Period. And like especially when I can't control. Like if I can't be like, all right, paint that green, paint that yellow. I I just fuck it up. Yeah. So I, I thought it was fascinating when I finally saw what you were doing because I was like, holy shit. I get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, it's, like, it's like when I when I shot you against that yellow wall, it's like, because you wore that red shirt, so I knew automatically like the yellow wall worked well with it. But then I didn't want it to I didn't want the I didn't want it to be like mustard and ketchup, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I added the, the beach ball in there, because the beach ball kinda takes kinda softens yeah. softens the, the red the like the heart like red, like really bright red and really bright yellow are harsh colors. You know what I mean? They're sunny colors, but they're really harsh. So it's like a white, pink, and a blue. Those are like they. I mean, and a yellow is what you'll find on the beach ball anyway. So I already knew that 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 pair well. And then yellow and red goes together. So they all they're all in the same family. So they all match. But I know that the beach ball. A two things happen with that with that prop. That's why I like using props in, in pictures. Two things happen with the prop. It's it it, it takes your eye off of just like oh this is a person against the wall. And it does a thing where it softens the picture a little bit, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, like, it like makes it a little bit more whimsical and a little bit more playful. So it's like you holding a beach ball and it just makes it more interesting than just, hey, I'm dying against a white yellow wall. You right. Know what I mean? And another thing that, you know, like kind of in a different direction, but the same thing. Um, I think it's interesting that there's so many really, really talented musicians. I'm assuming Eddie probably was, he was probably like a really smart musician. Like he yeah. knew his shit. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting how so many really smart, talented musicians have this sort of like visual talent as well as musical talent. Mm -hmm. It's you know like not to be cliche, but like Kanye, mm -hmm. like his design school shit. I'm pretty fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. You pretty dope. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, 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 like especially, all... especially knowing that, like, especially when we talked about earlier. Um, when we, I think when we first met, when we, when we talked about like your photography background, and I, I just found out that you doodle. That's always one thing that always interested me about because I, I could never draw, but it always interested me about artists because most artists that I know, they can draw. Like yeah. for some reason, like they, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a random talent they have. It's like, you just see like an artist in the studio and they're like, like, 
What? And they don't like, use it. This is dope as hell. Like, what are you doing? It's just like this weird, like, I don't know if like it's like what God does, like, you know what? You're gonna be the greatest guitarist ever, and also you'll be able to draw. Get out of here. Send him down the conveyor belt. Like, gonna waste this like, time. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about that drawing shit. You're gonna be fucking Chris. <laughs> it's like, dude, like, but it's I, weird, man. I say that because like even uh, my homeboy Aeon, Dave, one of the like Illest producers. He produced like a lot. He produced a lot of shit with Vaughn, a lot of shit with us. One of the best photographers. Like he literally like does some amazing fucking photography work. And I feel like in order to be like a true creative, not a true creative, but a person that understands one thing fully, you have to be able to like. It's the it's the same mind that would would cause like Ninth Wonder to take apart a transistor red. I don't know if Ninth did that. Ninth Wonder, <laughs> <laughs> I know some, I know some producer they, to take apart a transistor radio and put it back together. Like, oh, I understand circuitry now. Now I can go sample a record. Like it's it's, it's the same kind of the thought process and like reasoning, but in a different direction. Yo, okay. So I'm so glad you brought this up. Uh, by the way, I don't, I don't think I'm getting a haircut today because I, 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 like, I like this talk so much. So I, we, we, you can you can edit it down. To should I, should I take a break real quick? Yeah, take a break. All right, take a break. All right, all right. hold up. Yo, y'all still out there? Y'all still with me? Y'all still listening? We'll prove it. Subscribe, rate, review. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Wherever you get your podcast from, go there. Click follow. Click subscribe. Drop a star if it's one star, five stars. I don't give a fuck. Let people know what you think, but just do it. Uh, but yeah, I would appreciate it if I got a five star rating. I would love that a lot. Also, while you're at iTunes, if you already picked up Spree Wilson's Dark Days, type in Don Speaks and pick that up too. Really dope project. Produced with my homeboy Dash Speaks. Got features by Weekend Money, Fat Tony, Spec Boogie, Ilias. Bon P shows up and says a half a bar. It's pretty cool. I address gentrification. I address. Uh, uh, I just address that. I talk about a lot of shit because I talk a lot if you haven't noticed. But um, yeah, back to the show. Subscribe, rate, review. I think we're back on. Are we back? It's, it don't look like it's doing nothing. No. It's doing something. It's good. All right, so we good. Yeah, see, it's recording. Okay, yeah, it's recording. How many musicians does it take to record a logic session? <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously two or, or more. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you said you Yo, had. So this, so this segue, this segues into like this, this, this theory that I have. Okay. Right. So like all these producers. And creatives who try to be so cool, like yo, I make beats, dog. Yo, at the end of the day, we're all just nerds, man. Like, oh, do, yeah. like, do you realize, like, yo, we are nerd, like, Super like nerd. even like the hardest producer is a geek because if you sit all, day, <laughs> like, like, think about it, like, like yo, if yeah, you, yeah. like all you do is sit in front of a computer. You try to find sound waves, frequencies, all these like little intricate things about sound engineering. Dude, you are a fucking nerd. We're all nerds. Like, I'm a nerd. All I do is sit in my apartment and look at film and try to figure out like how can I get the, the saturation just right on my like on my picture. <laughs> Dude, we're nerds, man. Like, Yo, like it's like it's like it's like hip hop. Hip hop and especially has played like this kind of like mind fuck on people. It's like, man, like this. This producer is so cool, like dude, like no. You know who I think blew the lid geeks, off, man. I think you know who I think blew the lid off of the whole geeky shit, geek mm-hmm. nerd, Just Blaze. Really? I feel like he's, <laughs> I feel like he's like the forerunner of nerd shit. Like, think about it, think about it. Amazing beat, man. Like, yeah. like one of the best producers of our generation, of Amazing. our time. 
like of this era. And he, look, and he looks cool. Like he, he looks, looks like, cool he as look, fuck. He looks like he would be the coolest dude in high school that you like. You will always want to know. Walk with me. He's in the <laughs> studio. He's in the studio with some real live drug dealing, murdering, like Benny Siegel. I mean, come on. Yeah. Benny fucking Siegel. Yeah. I'm not saying that Just didn't come from anywhere that wasn't rough or right. like his background, but you could tell Just is the kind of nigga that's just like, oh, okay, I, I'm I'm not gonna hang out with you. We can make this song. <laughs> Bro. But, but I, I'm sorry, my man, I, I, that was that was a ten. That was a ten. Just has has a flux. Capacitor. A flux in his, fucking in his right. studio. When I went in the studio, I went in the studio, I was just like, oh, he has a flux capacitor. I mean, I knew all this shit because when you think about it too. Capacitor. Okay, so you were, you, were, you were on the internet with me early. Like, you were on the internet back when the internet was not cool. Right. Just Blaze was one of the niggas. He was you streaming. He had the Megatron Don was the best website on the internet. And it was just like on some nerd. He was he was like Questlove 2.0 when Quest made OK Player. Yeah. Just made Megatron Don. And just had the same level of motherfucking interaction with his fan base. He understood early, but he didn't play it up. Like Quest. Like some Quest, like, it's, it's, it, like the thing is with nerds is like there are some nerds that are just really cool. Like there's some cool nerds. Yeah. And yeah. there are just some nerds that, that are just, fucking, are just nerds. fucking nerds. And I think the I think the just fucking nerd nerds that make beats. They they don't I don't really know who I can think of who's like that. But I will say that while Quest Love is like he's more musician than than like he's a nerd too. But he's yeah. more just kinda like, I'm not gonna be online all the time, I'm fucking playing these drums and right, right. Just was like on the computer making beats. Anyway, it's like I'm just fucking online, right? Yeah. And he was doing all this really cool shit. So it's like, you know, you have OK Player, you have Megatron Don. Are we are we referring to OK Player and OK Player? I, I thought we were gonna should we just say call it that site? That site. We can call it that site. It just sounds. It just sounds. It just sounds like more. It sounds more two two thousand fourteen to call it that site. Right? I forgot <laughs> you got that site struck. <laughs> Your okay player has touched the world. <laughs> okay player. The funniest part is that at a certain point in time, everybody was on. Oh, like, yo, everybody, everybody was weren't on saying it. Okay player was the Twitter for for black for Afro like Afro uh, like. Like intellect, and if you wanted to make music, yeah, okay, play. Like, I remember when you guys first like started coming out, like uh, like the like, way <laughs> and stuff. Dude, it was like, like you guys were uber popular, man. Like, I mean, you guys came out at the same time. Like, the little brother came out, right? We came out like, around the same a year and a half. Like, we came out. When, when did the foreign exchange drop? We came like, out around, around that time. like four, maybe. Yeah, we came out around that time. Yeah, but I remember like talking to uh, Brianna from J Davy, mm-hmm. Jack Davy from uh, Jack Davy. Oh, okay, player. She wasn't posting. She was just there. Yeah, she was a lurker. There were so many people. That I just, was a, I was a lurker for a long time, and then I think people started posting my music on there. Then I just started. You I, know who uh, gave me your shit? Oh, who Dom Firebrand? Dom, yeah, <laughs> Firebrand. I remember Dom was like Firebrand. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. I refer to him as his okay. I mean, I, I call him Dom, but like back then I used to just uh, Firebrand. Like, oh yeah, I know him. So wait, what, what do you call? What do you call Defunk? You call him Defunk or Derek? Nah, I call, I call him Derek now, but when I first met him, I called him Defunk. I call him D sometimes. But the funny thing is, I don't think I ever say his name out loud unless I say it to him. Like, what up, what up, Derek? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just call him, I call him Derek now, but I mean, when I first met him, I was like, oh, shit, like, I used to see, it's, it's like, man, like, like, you spend years just lurking so much, and then you post every time, every occasion, that you just like, man, like, these are the people that talk, like, fire. Yeah, like, okay, <laughs> like okay player, you know what I mean? Like I met like it's like it's so weird to meet everybody in real life, but it's just like you kind of feel like you know them after a while because like 
Did you ever go to like what did you just go to the artist one or did you want to go to went to the general uh, discussion? I went to all of it. I went to the general discussion and to the lesson. I didn't really fuck with the um uh, uh, artist. Okay artist one. Yeah, me neither. I, w- I always went to the general discussion. Uh, okay artist was a bunch of like extra yeah extra fan stand we're gonna argue about the snare drum on like the man I just remember so many like things that happened in okay player that only like if you were an okay player stand that you would know like the whole Lupe fiasco thing yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. like like the day like the day Lupe's fans turned on him I remember that, was the, that uh, day was it when, 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 when he didn't know the lyrics to me first of all when he said he didn't know the record he never heard it and he only listened to Avon JG and then when he performed it he honors and he forgot the lyrics that's when that's when that's, that when, that's when his fan base went kapoop they were just like what <laughs> and I was for me I was like well, he's from Chicago of course he never Bruh. of course he doesn't hate Bob JG I mean it's kind of weird that you never heard Trap I remember they, 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 they actually called that fiasco gate on OK yeah, Player yeah. <laughs> that's how you know I'm, I'm an OK Player alumni because yeah, I remember that that's so crazy man like I feel I feel like OK Player has literally it's, it's changed black art it has. They should actually do a documentary on OK Player. I mean, if if, if okay, if Quest ever wants to, you know, make that, I feel like he doesn't really. I won't say he doesn't care, but I'll say that he's he's letting the site tell its own story still. Like it's, it's, it's still it's still up and kicking. That sounds like he's letting the site go to shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of saying he's letting the site go to shit. No, I mean, he's, like, letting, what the, I, he's letting the thing tell its own story. What I mean is that it's still it's still he'll still go there and be like. Okay, what should I play for the walk-on music on Fallon? He's still using the site for what it was intended. I mean, it's okay, just people like it, me and people it, like you. Is it as popular as it was when? No. Yeah, it can be. No. Because, man, OK Player made, I'm not saying it 100% made them, but it definitely made Little Brother popular. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Little Brother is like, besides, I mean, that that added to, like, you know, the cosign of, of obviously, um, Amir, and a lot of other people who were who were who were who were kind of like from the age that they came from that they were that they were that they were aspiring to to carry the torch of. So like that, I'm gonna say some sacrilegious shit. Little brother's like the rock him of the internet era. I don't know if that's sacrilegious, but like little. What, you, like, what do you mean by that though? Like, like are, are you referring to like oh there's there's a there's a before little brother and after little brother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying, like, in terms of notoriety, and I agree. I, I agree with that. Like, I'm saying, in terms of notoriety, popular. Like, we're not talking about the quality of music at all because it's, that's not even up for discussion. Right. Of but in terms of just like popularity and notoriety, they were one of the. They were the like the premier group to get acknowledged for being dis- like not discovered but coming up online. Bro, they got a major label, like a commercial label. Off of being like online, like okay player. Okay, like dude, okay player. Dude, Fonte picked me up in his in a rap little brother band. I was just like, what is this? Bro, okay player <laughs> got on the same label as Lupe, um, Wiz or whatever. Atlantic, off from just being them. Yeah, like from being straight out of yep. the okay player can. And you listen to them. You listen to the story about okay player. I mean, not okay player, little brother, and they 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 were uncompromising little little brother. They weren't yeah. trying to date. I don't even. I don't even. It it would surprise me if they even wanted to be on a major label. You know what I mean? Like, it would surprise me to say like, "Yo, we want we want to be like." I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe they had those aspirations, but nah. I don't think that. I don't. I don't. I don't really. I don't really know. I know that. Um, I've heard the story told several times, and I know that 
I think it's not that they didn't want to be on one. I think it's that when they finally got there, they were like, oh, this is what this shit is? I don't like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, oh, fuck y'all. Yeah. I'm doing this shit. Are we doing this all way? Are we not doing it no way? Because they understood, like, they understood that um, Fonte tells a story. And I don't know if he still tells it, but he used to tell a story of how he was talking. I want to say one of the uh, label execs, I think Julie or something like mm-hmm. that. But anyway, she was asking him, like, he was asking her what she was doing or, or what they were doing for holidays, what they were doing in general. And he said something about, you know, the show or something. And she was like, oh, we're, we're buying the TV, a TV, something. And she literally meant a TV station, like, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying, like, like literally meant buying a media conglomerate versus buying a piece of yeah, a piece of hardware. Yeah. And, and he was just like, "Yo, I'm having conversations with people who just have no understanding of anything that's happening in my life. They can't even relate to me as a human being. Right. So of course they're not gonna like respect my art in the same way I do. So I'm not gonna compromise because that's probably what they're like. Like I don't want to be." It don't matter to them. You know I, what I'm saying? I just almost, I just almost want to know, like, what did the major labels expect from Little Brother, though? Like, like, what did you expect? Well, I mean, okay, okay, I okay, I can't, I, I can, I think I can answer my own question because I can see why what a what a label would like, because they would probably be like, man, our right, Little Brother's first album came out, and then we have Kanye. Okay, like Kanye seems pretty popular. <laughs> Kids must be liking this backpack shit all yeah. of a sudden. So like, let's see. Like, maybe we can do the same thing for Little Brother. And Little Brother's just not Kanye. You know what I mean? Like, they have a whole set. They have a total different set of ideals. Some of the ideals line up. Some some of them don't, obviously. But it's just like you know. At first, when I was asking myself the question, I was like, Oh yeah, Kanye did come out at the same time. So he probably was like, Well, Kanye's doing it. I figured yeah. like. You know, it's, it's, it's been argued that Little Brother's responsible for Kanye. You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, yeah, I've heard the story that Fonte tells where <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I guess, um, I guess he said, <laughs> he says that Kanye was like at a, uh, maybe an album release party or something like that. And he was like, yo, it was this one artist that inspired me, but he just never said yeah. his name. Yeah. He's like, yo, if I inspire you, just Man. like, why don't you just say my Man. name? Tay has so many niggas that won't say his name, but are clearly... It's the, I, I call it the black thought syndrome. It's like, yep. it's like, it's like you ever wonder like how somebody as incredibly talented as black thought just never gets asked for like features or he's never asked to like be on people's like... Niggas up... It's, niggas is just scared. I, I'm a, like niggas are literally scared of, of, of invoking that nigga's name. Like it's just like if if I say, "Oh, Black Thought inspired me, Fonte inspired me," and I'm like, I don't know Drake. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, you can't you can't do that. Like I won't say you can't. I say he can't do that because then that brings that that there can only be one. Also, then that that that's, that lessens the value of his throne. So but also, you know also I think there's a there's a there's a bigger thing that we're missing. It's just a, you know, I, I, you know what? I don't even think it's that deep. I think the reason why, I mean, if I had, if I had to be really super honest, brutally honest about it, I just think it's a coolness thing. Yeah. I think like, I think San Fonte like just isn't as cool as saying Kanye's inspired me. You know what I mean? Because because on one hand you say Kanye, people are like, oh yeah, Kanye, oh he's so amazing. And if Drake says Fonte, people are gonna like uh, mainstream America be like, who's Fonte? You know what I yeah. mean? Even though like you could arguably say that. They're both as talented as each as each other. You know what I mean? It's just it's just one, it's just one person is is a little bit lesser known than the other. It's just like it's like it's the reason why people leave certain things out yeah. of stories and why people leave certain things in. It's like oh, I'm gonna leave this in because it's the most exciting part of the story, and I'm gonna leave this one out because when I say that, people right. are like oh, I, I don't really care about that. You know? Right. Like like when uh 
Like there was a shootout that happened on Fulton a long time ago. And I was there. It was me and my homeboy. We were at Havana Outpost and Ethan Hawke was randomly there. <laughs> Ethan fucking Hawke, because we were in Brooklyn. Somebody started shooting. Ethan Hawke fucking runs out and like on, like on some movies, she's like, stay down, stay down! And he runs out to the street to try to find the shooter. He's like, is everybody okay? Is anybody hit? And I'm like, yo, this is fucking Ethan Hawke. <laughs> yeah, you movie. never told me this story. <laughs> yeah. And it's already amazing. <laughs> so, best part. So later that day, Hip Hop Hip Hop DX runs a story like Common involved in the shootout, and I'm like, what? oh yeah, see, I, I've, I've heard about this story. It's supposed to be at a barbershop, right? Yeah, Common's just like Common was like, man, I had an appointment, but I didn't show up. That would have been, I could have been in that chair. Yeah, because it was a barber that got shot or something. Yeah, and it was at his barbershop, and I'm just like, hey, he wasn't involved in the shootout. But he wasn't even fucking there. See, Ethan Hawke is on the scene. Like, why is nobody saying <laughs> Ethan Hawke is on the scene, ladies and gentlemen. Ethan Hawke was nothing. Is everyone okay? Stay down. Stay like, yo. We, me and my boy were sitting there eating. It was just like, bah, bah. Now, I looked at him. He, he, uh, my homeboy from Oakland. He's like, you know what time it is. He's like a white dude. So you never know. Yeah. He's like, I was like, you know what that is? He's like, yep. Yeah. We both like just started sliding. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. Because it was the outside part of the battle where yeah, the fence is. Yeah, so, yeah. No, bullets can go through, they can't yeah. go through walls as easy. They, they can go can. through gates, yeah. But that was the weirdest shit. Because I remember the whole time I was sitting there bugging, like, yo, Ethan Hawk is over there. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> New York. Cause I, I was like maybe two years in here. Uh-huh. New York is crazy. Nigga. We eat we Ethan Hawk. Uh, texting people. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Ethan Hawk has saved our life. <laughs> Today's news, Common has this to say about the barbershop shooting. Yeah, I wasn't even there, but I mean, if I was there, maybe I could have been part of the whole... It's like it's like a Boondocks episode. Like, right. <laughs> like somebody who's in another state. What do you have to say about this shooting? It's like it's like the time MTV asked Ja Rule what he thought about like 9-11. Like, <laughs> it's like... Somebody like Ja Rule on the phone. How we make sense out of this? It's like a plane went through a building. Oh, hold on. We got to ask Ja Rule what he thinks about it. Like, what? 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 Jar Rule's not even there. Like, and if he was, like, what? Who cares? We gotta ask Jar about this, about this diabolical scheme by goddamn, goddamn Al Qaeda to take over the world. Jar has the answers. <laughs> Lead us, Jar. Lead us, Jar. Lead us, Jar. It's like oh, that's man. that's exactly what happened. Probably with like the comments. It's like, oh, Common has all the answers for this. Yeah, like pretty much, it's about making something cool and leaving out anything that's not cool. So yeah. the fact that. We live in a headline-driven society anywhere, anyway where people will fucking argue a point on Twitter after based on just reading the headline alone and not mm-hmm. reading the story. So it's just like, well, if they're not going to do any further investigation. Just say Combo was almost involved in the shootout and then... You know, yeah, exactly. That's why, that's why like, I feel like it's, it's, I, I'm, almost, I'm almost willing to bet it's not a scare factor with Drake and the whole Fonte thing. I just think it's just like, you know what? Like, it's like, yeah, I, I like... All right, boom, check this out. It's like when Kanye started working with like all these underground producers and all of a sudden they became popular again. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. It's like it takes somebody else to make for unfortunately it just takes sometimes it takes a popular person to make somebody who's not mainstream popular popular. You know? Yeah. It's like it's like when Jay-Z says, "Truthfully, I want to run like common sense." And all of a sudden like it was cool to like, oh, now, yeah, like I remember, dude. It's so crazy because like around that time, all of a sudden I start I start hearing all these mainstream rappers like, yeah, I listen to Most Def. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, Most Def's my favorite. Like, like 
You, like you see a tweet by Puff, like yo, I'm, I'm listening to that new Static album. Like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen. I mean, I, I would, I would never, I would never like underestimate Puff's hip hop year because I mean, he, he arguably, yeah. he arguably found the the greatest rapper of all time. He so is. I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like a, a head scratch. It's like, it's like out of all the things that you want to tweet about, like man, I'm listening to that new Static album. We're like hearing like. Foxy Brown, like, yo, man, Tyler Quality is my favorite rapper. Almost does my favorite rapper. I'm like, man, like, I've never heard any of these people say anything close to this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, anything close to this. And all of a sudden, like, Jay-Z says, truthfully, I went around like Common Sense. If I lyric told, I'd be Tyler Quality, And then everybody, everybody listens to these guys? Like, everybody yeah. listens to you? Everybody listens to them? He made Common and Quality the new button-up. Yeah, Go I, mean, I, 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 I would argue we say <laughs> Jay Z and Kanye together made like backpack rap a, re, a slight reemergence of like the the oh, kind yeah. of socially conscious rapper Otis, popular for a good like two or three years. Arguably, the production on Otis made it cool to be like, oh samples. Yeah, and then people were like, well, we can't clear them. And then, oh, <laughs> like, oh well, yeah. turn up. <laughs> it's like, oh samples, yes, we can't clear them. Turn up. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like I don't know, man. Like, I, yeah, I, I just find like, like saying, "Hey, I have a, I have a, like a Wiz Khalifa feature is probably cooler to some kid than saying, I have like a Black Thought feature." You know what I mean? Oh, like, well, definitely cool. They're like, "Who? You mean that nigga that's on Jimmy Fallon? What's yeah. Jimmy Fallon? I know Wiz Khalifa. He just broke up with Amber Rose." You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> Yo, and, and that's that's the man. That's so sad, dude. Like we live in a society where like it's not talent like it's. It's not talent based, and like people don't even do the research, man. Like, like, and like, oh, like Black Thought is now the guy from from Saturday, from uh from Jimmy Fallon, or CeeLo is now the guy from Norris Barkley, or so like, not even from, from the Voice. He's the guy. From yeah, the from voice. the from the Voice. He's the so, which is which is crazy as fuck. Yeah, dude. You and know what I'm saying? I think that only really happens to like to urban music, man. Unfortunately, because I had a friend who went to the, this. Def Jam had a recent 30th anniversary at Barclays Center. I went, I went to that. Okay, so maybe you can give me... I, I, I'll, I'll say what her point of view was, and maybe you can either agree with it or not. She was saying that... Hey, I mean... She, I she, left when she, 2 Chainz got on though. She claimed... Like, and, and I, actually, I was asking her why, asked her why she went, because anything that doesn't have Public Enemy, LL Cool J, and Beastie Boys is not a Def Jam anniversary to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you don't even have the three people that helped build a label when there was even nobody at the label. It's not even the 30th anniversary. But on top of that, she was like, she was saying that like EPMD was coming out and it was killing it. And kids were like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Like, and then so-and-so would come like another, another uh, meth and red man come up like, man, rock, a rock, rock, oh yeah, I know a song, I know a song off of, uh, to, uh, uh, 40 hits, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And then two chains come out and everybody like, oh yeah. See, and that's the th- all right. So I went to see specifically Foxy Brown and um, EPMD. That's mm-hmm. all I really cared about. See, like, uh, granted, I fucking love the rest of the the, the early roster. Mm-hmm. Don't really mind the new acts. I don't, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I went for the EPMD is one of my one of the greatest rap groups of all time. Agreed. So yeah. I gotta see this. So I get there. Foxy was cool, but. She um, kind of fucked up her set. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not doing a whole show review. I, I don't know why I shifted that show. <laughs> but based on what you were saying about the kids and how they responded to the music, 
Yeah, they weren't really a, like EPMD came out, and you could tell that they were like Eric Sermon was upset. <clears throat> Not mad, but you could tell he was just like ready for to, to get a, a lackluster response. He was like, "I know y'all don't know us. I know we ain't had a record out in all these years, but we started this." Like he was just going off a little bit, yeah. and EPMD put on a hell of a show. Scratch was up there getting busy, but you know, kids were just like. Not even kids, but the people were just kind of watching and not really. Like in EPMD, they didn't do. They don't really have a song. Like they, they did crossover, mm-hmm. and people kind of knew what that was. But they were just like, I don't know. This they didn't do. Um, they didn't do. So what you saying? Yeah. No, they, they didn't do. You got to chill. Yeah. Which is the one chill, I was. Yeah. I was hurt. Like I was. I, was, I wanted to leave. I took my hunger. I'm like, y'all want to fucking leave right now. But um, when Big Sean came out, I got. That's, I like Big Sean stuff. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know. I'm a fan of this stuff. So he did, I don't fuck with you. Like, the house went crap. Ah! And I'm just looking like, yo, y'all motherfuckers just saw EPMD. I can't expect you to care like I do. But you literally just saw one of the see, greatest see, rap groups I, of all I time. Can't, I, can't, I can't say that because, because okay, on the, on the flip side, I've been to a Paul McCartney show, and I see people younger than me, and they know every song to his catalog. And I, I'm saying, singing it as loud as, like, uh, a dude who yeah. grew up with Paul McCartney. I've been to a. I've been to like a lot of rock shows. I've been to a U two concert. I've been to a. I haven't been to a Stones concert, but like an ACDC concert I went to. And these are old guys. I mean, like 70, 60 years uh, old. And, th- and, and there's kids in there like, like, like rock and roll, like noise pollution. And it's like man, like. But I attributed to this. I attributed that man. Everywhere you go, there's classic rock. Like even class, even the term classic rock didn't become classic rock until like I think like they say like this like the 80s or something. You know when it, when they start trying to make um uh, radio formats and even classic rock like how rock has all type of genres. The classic rock channel does not discriminate on anything. They they'll play something that was considered like soft yacht rock, which they considered Fleetwood Mac's earlier stuff, like a song like uh, Dreams, and they'll play it right next to like. Heavy, like Metallica's um, Enter the Sandman like it's, it's there's no difference between right. the two and also like you have a, a, a movie like um, like the one with Jack Black uh, House of uh, School, of, School rock. of Rock and you have all these different things that kind of keeps rock cool that keeps yeah, the coolness yeah. factor to rock music and I feel like man for some reason we just don't have that with, with, with R&B or hip hop it's like there's no there's nobody making like EPMD music look cool. Like, there's nobody, like, you don't see movies where it's like, man, like, it's a dope ass movie. Like, man, they, it's like how Wes Anderson and all his movies, he puts like this quirky 60s, like, garage rock in his, in his movies. So it's like, man, when I hear the Kings, it's like, man, the Kings are fucking cool because I'm hearing any, like the coolest shit. Like, Wes Anderson has a new movie, that shit is cool to me. So it's like, oh, I'm hearing this music, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing Donovan, and all that shit just, it, 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 tie, it ties in, but like, there's no outlet. For me to like, I can agree with that. Here, like here or met or like you know, like see like see Tribe Called Quest in a whole new light, rather than the light I know them. You know what I mean? That's not like out of their element. So there's not like a cool ass movie that 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 critics go crazy for that's playing like a Tribe Called Quest song. You know what I mean? Or a Public Enemy song. You know what I mean? Or anything of that nature. And there's no channel, obviously. There's no radio station that caters to like yeah, that's like, like 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 that age group that. Like it's slightly over, like not trying to listen to like all mainstream every day. 
So it's like there's no radio station that just plays like classic hip hop, all the hits. There's no the classic R and B and hip hop all day, every day. There's no station that does that. You know what I mean? So it's like, what are we left with? Do we left with trying to have with kind of having to discover and having to teach these kids this these things ourselves? And I mean, I, honestly, we don't have the time to do that. You know, you don't. Like nobody really has the time to do that. But I'll I, I'll say that I feel like. Not to keep talking about Ninth Wonder and Little Brother and all the people, but Ninth did an interview with Combat Jack, which he was saying that um, it's important for artists now to become educators. Mm-hmm. Like it's important that we talk to the kids about the music that they don't, they won't have access to it. Like they don't know, they don't remember. Yeah, but it's it's important that the right artists yeah, are the educators. Yeah, right. Like. Yeah, like yeah, like Knife Wonder, like like Knife Wonder. When he if he preaches about older music, he's only going to reach a certain demographic. Yeah. That's just kind of like and the, if you do it in a college campus, you're only going to get like a couple people. Yeah. But the other thing too is that I feel like we are responsible at this point for going back and documenting what wasn't documented. Like and in a lot of ways, a lot of that shit is going to be forgotten. Like and it's, it's, it sucks. I saw that your face broke when I said it. Yeah. But because when you think about it, you think about the fact that you that the Biz Markie uh, album, the Diabolical, is that the Diabolical or the the one that had the uh, lawsuit? Yeah, yeah, Diabolical. Yeah. It that you can't get it. You'll never be able to yeah, buy it again. Yeah. You'll never be able to buy De La Soul, Three Feet High, Rock. Well, you'll be able to buy it, but it'll, it'll it'll never be it'll never be ever remixed or remastered. Well, you can't buy it on iTunes. You can't. Oh, really? You can't buy De La Soul. Uh-uh. I don't. I'm pretty sure you can. I know it's not on Spotify. That's probably why they gave it. Do you remember like the time yeah. they gave away? Air, they gave away the whole catalog because it's not available digitally. Because yeah. they, because Tommy Boy. I wonder. I wonder if it's. A, I wonder if it's the same thing for Public Enemy. You probably can't release their record. Well, I don't know. I I think Public. I know Public Enemy. Um, their stuff is on Spotify, so I think it's still for sale. I think the Def, the Def Jam catalog was different because they cleared. They made sure to. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't clear, they went back and cleared it. But Tommy Boy just didn't think to clear. They're just like, oh whatever. <laughs> and there are a lot of different hip hop albums from that era and that time period. It's just like they're just relics because the labels didn't treat them as art. They treated them as commerce. And if motherfuckers, if if. Pepsi Crystal ain't selling, or somebody sues Pepsi and says they want Pepsi Crystal off shelves. It's off shelves. It's not about no. This is art. We made this so people can consume it. It's about okay, cool. That's right. just whatever. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I feel like it's. I don't know how we. I don't know how it, it's, it's, it would be feasible to become educators and to become the people that spread the word without any sort of you know what I'm saying like radio stations or some shit. But well, I, I guess the closest thing you can do is through different mediums so so like what I've been seeing lately that I've, I've liked a lot are, are the documentaries that's been coming out about artists like the Tribe documentary and then most recently the Nas one which I thought was really good yeah. um, I think those are ways like to make those kind of things cool you know what I mean cause like it's different it's one way of like yo I saw this documentary that's dope that a lot of people are talking about rather than saying man like these old guys are trying to beat me in the head with all this like old school action. You know, it's just different, dude. Like yeah. unless unless Jay Z or Kanye, which Kanye does, man, which I I really appreciate him for this, man. Like, cause he really like he talks about Dilla a lot. He talks about he talks about the like tribe a lot, Pete Rock, man. So I have to like he's one of the people that does teach in his own in his own way. You know what I mean? Like 
with with not only talking about them but having them actually work on his projects. You know what I mean? Like, right. so he brings attention to them to them that way. But like, you know, besides him, like if you just have like a, a Jay, you know, cause Jay, man, if you ever listen to Jay Z's interviews, man, he he's he's really knowledgeable about hip hop, man. Like, and you can hear the references that he uses in his raps, but. It's just like, man, it'll be cool to be like, just to have him like, just talk about like, yo, man, why he loves EPMD so much, or why, why, like, why, like, why people should listen to like a Big Daddy Kane, you know? Because that's obviously the lineage he came from. Like, yo, man, you should like, no, listen to Kane, bro. Like, listen yeah, to yeah. Kane. Like, and kids like, yo, you want? Okay, I'll listen to Kane because you said listen to Kane. You know what I mean? Like, yo, if Jay Z can get people to wear a button-up shirt. That looks totally ridiculous on people. <laughs> he can at least get people to go on Spotify so, and get people to listen to Big Daddy Kane long live long live. So Kane. it's safe to say that Jay Z is the president of hip, president of hip hop, and he can make people listen to what he he can put forth bills or amendments to say, hey, you bust listen to. He's Kane. one of them. I don't. I, one of them, yeah. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say he's like the. the gonna, I won't say he's a king, but like. I didn't say king. I said the president of hip hop. Okay. The, yeah, I, I would say we can I, run an election. I, I, I would say. I would say he's. I would say he's one of the presidents. But I will also say like one president at a time. Who's vice president then? Kanye is vice president. No, well, I don't think Jay Z is the president then. Who's the president? I think Drake is president right now. Drake. I think he's. I think. I I think you have to go by who's the most popular. Who's the vice president then? Probably like Kanye. Drake and Kanye. Yeah. So who's up for election this year? Who's coming (laughs) coming around for the election? I don't know, man. That's a good question. I, I just think I like, like for instance. Well, I think Drake is gonna be on the bill if, on the ballot if, if, here. If Drake, if Drake, if Drake does a rap right, and and in the rap he says, "Man, Little Brother's the greatest group of all time." You know how many little kids are gonna go back and like, "Yo, who is Little Brother?" And, and then you're gonna see Twitter go crazy, and then they're gonna be like, "Yo, yo, he shouted you out, Fonte." Like, oh, I'm like, man, Fonte, who is Fonte? I'm gonna go check out Little Brother. Like, it's different than like, you know, like another rapper, like like, I don't know, like maybe saying like. An underground rapper going on like, yo, listen to little brother, and they like, yeah, yeah, he got a point. Like if me, um, if, if me and you go on Twitter right now, like, hey man, listen, little brother's the greatest. Like motherfuckers, like, okay, like I, <laughs> I, 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 I expect that from those two guys. But like, if Drake goes on there and says, man, like, like listen to little brother, right? Like if he goes to an interview, like, man, I ain't listening to nothing for this album except for little brother, man, little brother. Yo, little Drake can get a motherfucker signed off of leaving an Instagram comment. Yeah, he can, he can. So it's like, it's like if he's, it's like that's what I mean, like. He's president. You're right. When, when I when, when we need the, we need those people at those particular times. It's it's kind of like what what Fonte says in the rap. Where it's like, man, like he he didn't say it. He didn't say this line specifically, but he said something to the effect of like, I got the light on me. It's what I'm gonna do with it now. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't wait till your time is up to, to educate people. Like, nobody wants to hear that shit. Then you know, like like when the light is on you, make sure that you're doing as much as you can. To to really shine light on people who aren't able to shine light on themselves, you know, when you're mo- when you're at when you're at your most popular, that's when it's that's when it matters, not when your time is long gone. And like, oh man, yeah, hell yeah, man, I used to listen to Public Enemy all the time. It's like <laughs> nobody. Well, unfortunately, nobody's listening to you right yeah, now. So it's like, like, we used to listen to you all the time. Yeah, it's like, like nobody, nobody's yeah. listening to you right now. But when the light is on you, man, like that's one thing I want to do for myself. Like, you know, when when I. When my start, when my turn, when I, when it is my turn, and when I do get big, I want to be like, man, like these are the people that inspire me. They may not need it, like Outkast obviously doesn't need anything from me, but I will, I will never not say like, man, Outkast and the Beatles and like Tribe and and like Queen Latifah and all these great people, they inspired me to really be 
artistic and music you know like I would never not say that because that's just where I come from like my lineage is obviously like I would never run away from like the whole dungeon family or the whole tribe stuff or even like Dallas Austin like I'll always say their name in high regard because like man like that's what you need I, I, I'm, I'm gonna be even louder when I get popular because the more or the more popular I do become because man like they like that's that reverence, man. That's what you need. That's what you. That's when you need. That's when. That's when they need it the most, man. Yeah. I feel like, man, like, I feel like people need it the most. Like the forefathers need it the most when you're at the mo- at their peak. That's what the Beatles did for Motown. That's what Rolling Stones did for the blues. Like at their peak, these dudes are like, you know what, man? I grew up on the blues. I'm about to pull Muddy Waters onto a show with me. I'm not about to do it when I get 60. I'm going to do it now when I'm 21 and these white girls are going crazy and they had Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf open up for them dudes and they be, and that was that was as popular as they became at their peak. So why wouldn't I do it? Like, why wouldn't I do it for people, especially people that look like me, man? That's crazy. I got to do it. We always got Macklemore to take a black people out on tour with him. Hey, man. If Macklemore's want to do it, I have no problems with it. I, I mean, I'm like, not shoveling shit on Macklemore. I'm just saying... <laughs> Him taking big credit, Kwame. Yeah, yeah, some cool. That's some cool shit. That's, you know, what that's man? cool as fuck. Like at your most, at your at your most popular moment. At your most you took, popular you moment. Took, yeah. You took something that was kind of unpopular, which is taking like a Talib or a, a Crit when you could have taken taken like any pop artist. You know what I mean? Like arguably, the, the Macklemore tour should have been like Macklemore and five other niggas from the Macklemore, Iggy Azalea, Macklemore or Molly Cyrus or something. Yeah. You know, like, he, like he, he could have definitely did that, but. Instead, he chose to choose. Um, cho- he chose to bring on a uh, crit and Quali, and that's 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 dope and commendable. Cause he could have just like, yo, I mean, I did grow up listening to him, but I mean, he like right now, I'm like, shit, hey, I'm about to, like, I'm about to like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I think Miley, you know what I mean? It's like he he may not. It's like it's so crazy, man. Cause like these artists will get on and they'll blow up and get big, and then they'll associate themselves with people and music they don't even like, rather than like, yo, man. I grew up on these dudes, on this, on on these women, and whatever, on these artists, and like, yo, I'm about to, man, I need to, I need to do something to, to like, to like get them popular, man. That's what I want to do, man. Like, I just feel like, man, like, like, listen, dude, like, Iron Three Thousand does not, like, I, there's not, I, I can become the greatest artist in the, the biggest artist in the world, and there's nothing I could do to make Andre Three Thousand more popular. You know what I mean? But shit, that dude's my hero, so I'm gonna be talking about him. Until it's not even about making it like it's about paying proper respect. Like if hip hop paid proper respect, Cool Herc, fucking Afro Bambada, all them niggas would not be just yeah where they like they would be fucking where Rick Rubin is yeah you know what I'm saying like exactly. they they deserve way more than they get and, if and it's you, crazy if you're in a position where comes from rock and not hip hop <laughs> think about that. Think about it. This dude started arguably the greatest rap God label damn. of all time. <laughs> and, the only, and the only reason why Rick Rubin is really extremely as extremely popular as he is is because Rock X pay him so much respect. So is this a is this a hip hop thing or is it a yeah is it definitely a, totally is it a media thing? This, no, it's, it's definitely, I've never thought about it's definitely a hip hop thing. Like how many how many listen. Rick Rubin didn't become popular in hip hop until rock people start saying he was cool, and they're all like. Man, Rick Rubin, he's, man, maybe he is one of the greatest producers. Maybe I should work with Rick Rubin. And then Jay Z did it. He's like, oh yeah, man, Rick Rubin's the greatest, baby. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it, it, it becomes the cool. It's like, it's like the thing you say in conversation. It's like the cool thing to say. Like, man, like who's your favorite producer? Oh man, Rick Rubin's my favorite. Like, yeah, he, yeah. he wasn't your favorite producer five years ago, but like, 
Now it's cool to say it, but Rick Rubin became popular because he pop, he he produced like like he started punk producing like Anthrax and the punk records, and then he did the Chili Peppers, and then he Johnny. I mean, he did like tons of of, of different styles of music, and he was revered in the in the rock in the rock arena, and then. And then we be, we just said Rick Rubin's the shit because it just became popular within that arena to say it. You know, well, it sounds like Rick Rubin's got ninety nine problems, but popularity ain't one. On that note, I want to go ahead. We, we like pushing the hour and twenty. Oh man, I ain't we talk that long. I would just keep going, man. But you know, I don't want to have to make this into a two parter. <laughs> we'll just have to record our conversation some other time, a yeah. different conversation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But all right. I guess say peace or something. All right, y'all. Um, yeah, to everybody listening to this podcast, uh, this is Free Wilson, and we're live from Casa de Wilson. He, this is crazy. He just asked me to say bye. And I'm, just, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm going to say this. Wait, voice. wait, okay. <laughs> okay say, say, uh, say, all right, everybody. Say, this is Free Wilson, and remember, remember my name. This, remember my name, Free Wilson. Say, this is Free Wilson. Remember my name. All right, remember my name. all right, y'all. This is Free Wilson. And remember my name. Peace. Peace. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... So that's it. My conversation with Spree Wilson. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know what you're about to do. Hopefully you're about to get off work maybe. Do some more work maybe. I'm about to eat this donut from dough that I bought earlier as a treat to myself for finishing all of my Sunday activities and chores including this podcast cleaning um making my playlist for the night at friends and lovers y'all gotta start coming out to see me dj man i really get busy it's a good time i really want to start seeing y'all faces in the crowd uh if you're in brooklyn that is if not airplane ticket maybe nigga richard was here the other night he flew in but he was here for work, so I wasn't really here to see me DJ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, shout out to Richard, uh, a.k.a. Reg Loaf, as I like to call him. Detroit, what up? <laughs> but, uh, oh, man, yeah. I really got to get some kind of sign-off, like some kind of Boomer Lives, Man Up and Live Your Dreams, Finish Your Burrito. I don't have anything right now, though. You know? But I guess that'll come. It'll develop itself. I'll have something by episode 10. Which means that I'm committed to this and to you guys. So you should commit to me. AKA subscribe, rate, review. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud, we're everywhere. Take some time, click one of those little buttons, let the world know you're enjoying me. I know I said it in the intro, I know I put it in like the little commercial, and I'm putting it on the end. If you even made it this far, which if you did, I commend you. Hashtag set through it, cause, cause this was a long conversation. But you know what I'm saying? I just enjoy spending time with y'all. Can you fault me for wanting to hang out with my friends? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for wanting to be your, your homeboy, your buddy. You know what I'm saying? That's my bad. My bad. Uh, I won't hold you anymore though, man. Get back to work. You know what I'm saying? I gotta get back to work. I think I'm gonna try to squeeze in some TV or a nap. I got like 45 minutes of downtime. Why did I give myself so many fucking jobs? Oh yeah, that's right. Because I like making things. And I like sharing things. So, I guess the jobs just don't stop. You know. I mean, it's beneficial to us both. Without this, I would be talking to myself. Or even worse, talking to police. Because I can't afford a therapist right now. <laughs>
All right, y'all. Seriously, though, I'm out. Enjoy your week. See you next week. Don Will Bad with Names. Peace.